Message. Man, if you don't sit down. Alright, so today is July 12th, uh, 1.30 p.m. We are gathered here today to uh, discuss many of the social issues that have been plaguing our society, uh, particularly the injustices that they're happening toward uh, black men um, from those that are served um, and sworn to protect us. And so we wanted to just kind of get some feelings out, some thoughts. Uh, hopefully, uh, as we continue to have these discussions, we'll, we'll have uh, some type of possible ways where we can bring about um, real change. And so we're going to get right into it. So um, I guess we'll just kind of start off with just looking at everything that's been occurring the past, well, you could say weeks, you could say months, you could actually say years, decades, centuries of whatnot of police brutality, uh, many of the major things that have Change, of course, recently is the is the technological use of cell phones to be able to record everything. Um, but based off these things that have been seen, what are some thoughts um, that are that you've been wrestling with and dealing with? Anybody can jump in. I uh, know me personally, man. I think, um, uh, me personally, I think it all stems from much of the people, man. I mean. I hear a lot of people, like a lot of white people saying it doesn't stem from racism, you know what I mean? But the thing that it doesn't stem from racism is crazy because segregation just ended, you know what I mean? Like 50, 50 years ago, you know what I mean? And I just think us as a people, I, I mean, I don't have nothing against protesting, you know what I'm saying, us in the streets, but I just think we have to educate ourselves to be more knowledgeable and move more strategically, you know what I'm saying? Because what we're doing now, the rioting and all this other stuff, that's what's expected from us, you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's important that we're getting our voices heard, but I just think we have to get them heard in a different aspect, you know what I'm saying? Educating ourselves, knowing how the judicial system works, you know what I'm saying? Actually going to our politicians, because it's a, us as a young people, I don't even feel like we get involved in politics enough, you know what I mean? And we're not paying attention to the laws that's being passed silently, you know what I'm saying, through the House of the Congress. And I think we just have to be more attentive to what's actually going on politically. You know what I mean? In our environment, if we actually want change to happen, because there's so many things that's being, that's going on silently and passed over our heads that we don't even notice. And I just think we need to be way more attentive and way more aware of what's going on in our environment. So. I do think Twitter has given us, uh, a very reliable vehicle to stay informed. I do think that that is one of the major things that has been, um, fueling our knowledge and, and keeping us aware of what is happening in different areas. One thing that I kind of wanted to get back to is you were discussing the, uh, becoming more knowledgeable. And I do think that there's a, a heightened awareness that's uh, been occurring and people are in tune. Uh, but if you look at the Castillo incident, right, if you look at what happened in Minneapolis, if I'm not mistaken, according to the video and according to what's been reported thus far, uh, of course, the investigation is still in the way, but um, it was reported that he did know the law and that he did state, I have a firearm and so forth, mm -hmm. and he was still killed. Mm -hmm. And so that has been an argument in the past um, as far as not being aware or, or uh, making sudden moves or provoking the police. But here we have an individual, um, from what it seems, to follow the, the letter of the law to a T, and he still mm -hmm. wound up dead. So when you're, I guess my question is, do you think that having knowledge of the law fully protects us? I don't think it fully protects us. I just think that we have to have knowledge. In the, I'm, I'm saying that we need to have enough knowledge to make change. Mm. You know what I mean? Because 
if we have if we are more knowledgeable, maybe we we are able to, you know what I'm saying, get get certain things amended to protect us better. You know what I mean? Right. You have you see these cases all the time. Like he could he could kill him, who knows who knows if justice is gonna be served. We don't know what's gonna happen yet, but he can get he could just resign and get paid leave. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm saying. That's what happens, right? Yeah. So um I think you bring up a really good point. Um and so I wanted to kind of bring it back to the whole group. One of the major things that we're seeing is this idea of change. Everybody wants change. We are um, picketing and rioting for change, which is a, a one vehicle to use. You know, uh, people are writing about change. It's another vehicle to use. Uh, I have heard politicians come out and talk about change. I think uh, Hillary Clinton discussed it. Um, Donald Trump discussed it and so forth. So there is this idea of change. So my question would be, um, what does change look like to you? When we say change, what are we specifically referring to? And I know that's a large question, because, but but okay, what comes I, to mind? I personally feel like um, when it comes to change as far as, I think it all starts with us, us being African Americans. Um, what I feel is, and it's not, a, it's not a scapegoat for Caucasians or, you know, the, 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 the bad cops or whatever the case may be, but it starts with us. We gotta respect ourselves. I feel like African Americans, we don't, our race, we don't respect ourselves. We don't, we don't, it's always hate. It's, it's more hate than it is love, I feel like, with, with our people. And how can you expect a person that's never lived like us or doesn't have the same skin tone as us? How, how are they gonna respect us if they see, if they're watching us not respect ourselves? And I feel like that's where it starts. We kill each other. We hate on each other. We don't support each other. We don't support each other's businesses. You know, it's always some type of hate somewhere. Some it may be a small hate or a big hate, but it stems. It, it stems with us. I feel like that's where it need to change. It. We need to, you know, what I'm saying. I feel like come come together as a, as one, as a as a as a culture, as a race, as a as 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 one. Like I said, and just let's start from there. You know, it's it's throughout the last couple of days with these events, I've seen that. A lot of people always do. They know they 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 they, they do the rioting, they they do the marching and all that stuff. I've seen. I feel like a difference now. I feel like a lot more African Americans are coming together with this. I feel like maybe it's a sense where we're fed up, but there's still that percentage that either probably don't care or they don't know. They don't have enough knowledge to feel like they they can make a change for it or whatever. But I feel like it just starts with us. Like if we can stop hating on each other and stop. Killing each other, taking each other's lives, and and down to the next African American person that's trying to come up, then maybe maybe others will kind of see like, okay, they're not ones to be messed with because they're together. You know, if you look at not taking anything from from us as, as a whole, but if you look at other races, you see, you know, the Asians and the the, the Hispanics. You you rarely see them, you know what I'm saying, hating on each other or, or or downing each other. I see them more so being together when it comes to business. They all they all work together. They all put the you know what I'm saying they 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 do everything together. Where it's like it's more of a unity. I feel like we we are probably the most powerful race, period. And if 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 we have that knowledge and we know that we need to come together and do that, then I feel like it'll be easier. That's what change I feel like will start with everything. Um, have you ever heard of the empowerment experiment? No. So the empowerment experiment is, um, was started by Maggie Anderson and, um, her and her family sought to, uh, purchase products only by black owned businesses, mm -hmm. right, for, I think a year. And she was able to do that. She went on CNN and so forth. And that has actually grown into a movement. And so the reason why I'm bringing that up is because I think that 
there are a lot of cases to where you do have individuals mm-hmm. that support black businesses. For example, we had talked about getting lunch together or getting some dinner mm-hmm. together and, and, and someone dropped the ball. Right. <laughs> but but um, what was one of the requirements that was mentioned? That we had to go where? To a black-owned business. To a black-owned restaurant, okay. right? So that's just one group of one us. Group of us Do you right? think we're the only five or six individuals? Most definitely that, not. Most definitely not. So we have to be careful the way that we categorize things. Just as I think when you're in your opening statement, you made a comment that you know um, there are just some bad cops, mm-hmm. right? But then... I think where, and, and you're not alone, many of us do this. We, we make that same sentiment, right? Oh, it's not, it's, it's just some cops. Well, but then we turn around and say, well, all black people need to show more respect for each other. I think you all show respect for each other very well, right? Uh, all black people, no black people want to support each other. I think you all want to support black business. So then it's funny how when we refer to ourselves, it's very easy to speak in generalizations, mm-hmm. right? But then when we're looking at cops or whomever else, then we'll say, oh, it's not everybody. It's just, it's just some. Mm-hmm. But why don't we do that with ourselves? Correct. Right, so that's one to kind of make that point. I don't know if you wanted to uh, retort or finally if you wanted to step in. I wanted to piggyback off of what Ramirez was saying. Um, just like um, having knowledge, having more knowledge of uh, of who we are and uh, what we can do. Um, it's sad that uh, we can know our rights, know our laws, and um, things like that can still happen to us. But at the same time, we have to also realize that we can't be ignorant. We can't go and um blow up our our own society where we live in mm-hmm. like um in certain circumstances just like uh saying Louis, like Ferguson yeah Ferguson um just like uh I know we're mad and I know we want change but um definitely violence um in that way destroying our own society won't lead to a better resolution and I think that um we named this we just took a step in the right solution by um, discussing to put our own money in our own, like our own businesses, supporting our own people and stuff like that. Are you with the Black Home Bank? No. So Citizens Trust Bank, you know, you all heard of uh, Killer Mike yeah. that came out with that charge, you know. So um, so there, I think there are people speaking about that. One thing I wanted to get back to you, Ifani, with um, was keep in mind that when, okay, so with the Ferguson um Debacle, and I say debacle because businesses were, it, it's gotten categorized as this whole sort of like, oh, it was terror and people were creating violence and all that. It was a very small group for one, right? But then you also look at the build up to that, right? They, everyone, it was like you were waiting for something to happen. The way that the media was there, like everyone was out, it was like this whole idea to where it was just a matter of time to where it was almost like setting the scene for something to happen, right? So you keep that in mind, right? Then you also keep in mind that when you do have um, a situation that's occurring and you know there's going to be an element of rage, right? Well, what do they do? They block off the area so you cannot get out of your area. So when you're talking about this idea of burning down your own communities, I agree that, 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 that there's not really much that comes from that, right? But, um, <laughs> but, um, um, but you do when you keep individuals enclosed, how can they escape, right? So the only thing to tear down if you still want to, uh, exemplify your rage, is to do within your own community, right? Because the streets are blocked off, right? To the black-owned black crime point, I just want to try to make a really, hopefully, a quick point about that. Um, so you know, you know, you don't, people don't like to say, it's like this idea, oh, why are you going to bring up slavery? Well, 
you know, we talk about the Holocaust, mm-hmm. right? We talk about what happened to the indigenous people of America. Mm-hmm. We've talked about what happened to Irish people, mm-hmm. have had pride in their history and what they had to deal with when they came here. Um, so it's, it's, but, but when black people talk about it, oh, it's a scapegoat. Well, no, yeah. it, it, it's a historical fact. Right. And when you look at, um, the peculiar institution of slavery and how barbaric it was and how it was so very different than what slavery had ever looked like before because slavery wasn't new but the peculiar institution here that this idea was new when it first started they didn't even really have laws about slavery it ended up developing you know you had the indentured servants getting along with the slaves and kind of similar to the way the cops are treated now I call cops the new indentured servants but we'll kind of get to that a little bit um but when you're looking at the tear down of black families, mm-hmm. right, of what happened with slavery, right, you take that away. Then let's say slavery ends in 1865, although, you know, it's still kind of going on. But then you implement Reconstruction. Well, Reconstruction uh, was a joke as well, right? Then during Reconstruction and after you have black codes, right? Then after black codes, you have Jim Crow. Then after Jim Crow, you have, you went into the 1950s movement to where you're trying to end segregation and you have Brown versus Board, which eventually led into the 1960s civil rights movement, right? So you had, but... Was there a lot of black on black crime? Do you do you remember? Was that like rampant and things like that? Now you might have had fathers that were displaced as well, right. but that becomes it's from a legacy right. of 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 the way that black families were treated, black men were treated, much like today. If you want to put things into perspective, when we talk about black on black crime, I think that we would be remiss if we did not explore what happened in the 1980s when you're looking at the crack movement and how that was a a plot from the Reagan administration to destroy the um, progress that was being made amongst black families. So it's easy to say now, oh, uh, black people kill each other. But there was there was a, a, a concerted effort to create that. The drug epidemic, the crap epi- epidemic exacerbated everything that we've ever seen. And we are still, I mean, and, and not even think about um, black people murdering each other. You think about the crime, I mean, the, uh, the, the time the individuals were put into jail. You think about the disproportion between crack and cocaine. So now you're still destroying black families, a legacy that was created since 1619. It just has a different face and it has a different name. But what we do is we create these labels and then it's easy just to put situate them under the label. So the label could be blacks are crazy, blacks are violent, mm-hmm. blacks are prone to violence, yeah. as it was just stated yeah. to Martin Lamont Hill and all this stuff. Yeah. So once we have that, then it's you don't really venture away from that and look at what causes those things. Black people are not just that inherently violent people. Right. There are situations that are created. If you look at any oppressed group of individuals worldwide, they are going to have probably have more crime. Because they have more to fight for. They, a lot of times they're, they're struggling to eat. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to just create a lot of excuses, but I, I think that this is, these are real things. All right, mic drop. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, that was deep. That was deep. Um, I want to touch on the point you were talking about um, as far as change and why some people are kind of afraid of change. Um, you know, that you know that group of people who are like, oh, uh, we don't want to change anything. Um, I and what has changed, too? Don't forget, we have to come back to that, too, about uh, what this change looked like. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, I, was, I was reading about this analogy not so long ago, probably like three weeks ago. So imagine, just imagine in your head um, a cage with five monkeys inside. So um, you, put, you put a ladder in the middle of the cage, and you put um, some bananas on top of the ladder. Um, one of the monkeys goes up the ladder, and somebody sprays water on the monkey. Uh, the monkey comes down. But the water is being hit on all the monkeys. Okay. Um, another monkey goes up. Water is being sprayed on all the monkeys again. The monkey comes down. So all the monkeys around that one monkey are getting angry because they're all getting sprayed every time one monkey goes up to a ladder and tries to get that banana. Okay. So they start fighting. They get angry. 
And now no monkey wants to go up the ladder to try to get the banana. Okay, so you take one monkey out and you put just a brand new monkey in. The monkey's not gonna go up the ladder because all the all the other monkeys are already, let's say they're talking or yeah, they're they're already got in that new monkey's head that has no idea that if you go up that ladder, we're gonna fight you. But that monkey has no idea what's gonna happen if it goes up that ladder. And maybe it might be different if he goes up that ladder. They replace another monkey. Same thing happens to that monkey. The third, the fourth, the fifth. Now all monkeys, they will never go up that ladder because they're, they're they don't even know what's gonna happen when they go up the ladder. But it's already in their head that. Hey, don't even go close to the ladder because they try to do it. Exactly. Even their conditioning has been conditioned. Exactly. So, I mean, I just wanted to touch on that point. You know, pe- people just, you know, in their own head, you know, like on CNN, I was I was watching CNN not so long ago, and um, one of the reporters was an African-American male, and he was like, there's an unconscious bias in everybody's mind, especially, for instance, he was talking about the cop. There's an unconscious bias. Whenever you pull somebody over, a white cop pulling over an African-American male, in their in their head, they're going to be thinking unconsciously that this is probably going to be a little more dangerous than if I were to pull over a, a Caucasian male or female. But that's just the unconscious bias, and it, and of course it's wrong. But which is really interesting when you look at who kills more cops than anyone. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. Exactly. Right. right. I just want to throw it out there. So. Well, you were, well, I think you were leading somewhere. You were saying that um, this idea of when they're the systemic or the societal issues. Um, are sort of programming Caucasian or white males' minds to where they're already fearful when they're pulling over these cops. And so they're approaching the situation as a threat. Exactly. Right. Okay. Who else wanted to jump in? What does change look like? I don't think we ever really addressed that. What does the change look like to you? That's, that's, a, t- that's a tough question. Um, I'd rather pass that on. I'll take <laughs> <laughs> finally, what does change look like to you? The first word I think of is um, reinventing. In a way, um, I would say something different from yesterday. Change to me is not only um, physical, it's got to be mental, um, societal. People um, have this idea that America has changed, but um, the ideas that went along hundreds of years ago are still the same today. So... um, is, is there really change is really the question is has has there been change in America there has been change in, in like regards to like uh what we're allowed to do but why weren't we allowed to do that before anyways so I think the biggest change that's happened in America is as you went from a um, white supremacy being an overt tactic to a covert mm-hmm. right there's still a situation to where it is overt but in many levels it's underneath the scene, it's underneath the surface, but it's still operating with the same venom and magnitude, right? And it still creates the same conditioning that not only, um, I guess other groups have toward African Americans or minorities in this country or poor people in this country, but even more importantly is the ideas that we have about ourselves, right? That's, that's a good point. I mean, change, let's, let's say, I think change, like everybody says, starts with our youth, but when I what comes to mind when I think about that is like starting from the books because I can ask you right now who created the light bulb and but if I ask you give me one invention that George Washington Carver made you'll probably have no idea right Right. so I really I really do think it starts with the youth as far as educating the youth completely on Mm -hmm. everything about you know how the United States came about and then I think it kind of stems on how you choose to educate yourself because 
you know what I'm saying? Like, I was, somebody told me this a long time ago, but when you break down the word history, it's really his story, and it's the story decided by the winners. You know what I mean? So just because you're taught something that's told or taught in a textbook doesn't necessarily mean it's right. It's right. So you, have right. To, so you have to go and try to search and find the true information. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think it stems from also. So that's another thing that I was talking about uh, when I was looking at the covert way. So you look at, now we're kind of going off a little bit, but um, when you look at textbooks, who creates textbooks? Right. So this is all under that banner of white supremacy, right? So what do most black individuals learn about themselves growing up? If you rely on the textbooks and, and unfortunately the teachers are relying upon you you're teaching the standards and all these different things, so they're going to go along with the curricula unless the teachers are a great teacher and going above and beyond that to meet to meet the needs of her students, his or her students. But in most cases, they're using textbooks, they're using the material, and what do what do black individuals learn about themselves through those textbooks? In most cases, slaves. That's out. Not about the hundreds. Yeah. Of, not about the hundreds of rebellions that existed, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I mean, not even just Nat Turner. You have the Denmark Vest. You have all these. You have all these. 